is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. What is up, FUVFC Nation? It is Thursday, October 27th. We're less than a month away from the World Cup, but the eyes of the soccer world are still fixated on the club and Champions League circuits. Before we dive into all of that, I'm Keenan Troy, joined alongside by Nick Guzman and Michael Hernandez. Boys, it's been a while since this trio's been together. Good to see both your smiling faces. You know, we weren't on time getting to the studio. <laughs> Neither of my co-hosts were here in time. But gentlemen, how are we? Past midterms during the academic year, enjoying this beautiful fall weather. Good. I, I was just chilling, and I. Not gonna lie, I forgot about this a little bit, and then Keenan texted and was like, "Where are you guys at?" I was here two minutes late, but that's pretty much on time. Michael was a little bit later. Yeah, I was. I think it was like by four minutes, but uh, my excuse is that I had work, so I was taking a subway. Yeah, I was back. busy too. So, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we're good, boys. Is that what I'm? Is that we're doing good. Yeah. We're doing great. Post midterms, I'm just chilling. Life moves on. We're almost in November. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this semester has flown by. I, I can't believe that. It's like you said, we're almost in November. Uh, but yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, boys. So we are almost in November. The long-awaited World Cup break is ahead of us. Sadly, no national team stuff to report in terms of the U.S. Next week, we should have the 26th, and I think that the podcast, when that 26th is announced, is going to be about as contentious as it's going to get because there's a lot of conflicting emotions in terms of, you know, will one New York Red Bull center back be selected or not? He will be, and he will start. (laughs) We certainly hope not, but while we await that news, we do have a ton of Champions League soccer to catch up on. Match week five came and went. All but four spots have been clinched for the knockouts. We have nothing decided in Group D, one spot up for grabs in Group E, and then a spot open in for the other for the last three of non-group winners, best record, boys. But I think we have to start with a, a clubs whose Champions League dreams don't reach the round of 16 for the second consecutive year, the ongoing dumpster fire that is FC Barcelona take another thrashing from the Bayern Lash and see themselves relegated to Europa League football once again. Michael, we'll start with you. Thoughts? My question is, Does Barca, is Barcelona still a couple pieces away from being able to compete on the European stage? You know, they did draw you know, a strong group with Inter and Bayern, 
Bayern, obviously a favorite like every year to go on and win this thing, but you'd expect more than four points to show for it from a Barcelona side that now Xavi is playing in their Europa League once more. Yeah, I mean, especially after the summer and, and all those signings, all the news of, of, of the financial levers that were being pulled, after everything, you expected them to, to come out swinging. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it's like you said, you know, after five uh, match days, only to have four points uh, is definitely not the way that uh, that Xavi definitely thought that this would go. But, I mean, you know, it's like you said, they were in the group of death. You know, you, when you're going against Bayern and Inter, you know, it's like three will not go into two. So one team had to had to suffer. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame that it's Barcelona because especially, you know, they needed the money financial-wise because, you know, making it to the round of 16 has bigger financial uh, prizes compared to the Europa League, so it's going to hurt them in that way as well. Um, I think that Xavi, I don't think he'll be fired. I don't expect him to be fired just because it's clear that the board have backed him. They have a vision, but this is a big step backwards uh, compared to, you know, what they wanted to do this year. Yeah, Barcelona have looked good in La Liga for the most part, besides that El Clasico result against Real Madrid when they lost. It's just been a different story in the Champions League, and I mean, this. Champions League disappointments for Barcelona really go back, you know, till the mid part of the 2010s, 2015, 2016, after they won the Champions League. Seems like every year it's been some kind of disappointing exit, whether it's been in the group stages recently or in the quarterfinals, that game against Roma we think about back in the Messi era. Just how this team continues to underperform in the Champions League. I think it's clear that they're still one or two pieces away, particularly in defense. I mean, you look at the, the defense that started against Bayern with Marcus Alonso in there and Hector Bellerin. I think if you if you really want to go far in the Champions League, those kinds of players can't be getting minutes in a must-win game against Bayern Munich. Um, I think they're obviously going to stick with Javi just because of how much money they've invested into his players and what he wants to build here. But it's definitely a setback, and I think most teams plan their financial you know, plan taking like the worst case scenario into account so if okay so we don't qualify for the champions league knockout round that's not really gonna hurt us financially i don't think barcelona did that i think they were kind of banking on mm-hmm. um getting into the next round getting deep in this competition just for funds because we know how how strapped this team is for cash sometimes so i think it is going to hurt them financially but it's just another disappointment for barcelona in a year that that fans were thinking they were going to take a step forward, particularly in the Champions League. They've taken a step forward in La Liga. They're just a little bit behind Real. But, you know, in knockout football and European football, this team continues to disappoint. And, you know, staying with the Spanish team's disappointment in the Champions League, we ha- we have to talk about Atletico Madrid because if you watched the game yesterday against Leverkusen, a thriller with a last kick of the ball, you know, Oblak's brought forward on a corner. The referee blows the final whistle, goes to have a check, realizes there's a handball, penalty awarded, penalty saved, follow-up off the crossbar, eventually hoofed out by Leverkusen. Atletico Madrid will not be seeing the round of 16. Diogo Simeone, you know, one of the great coaches in European football, has for so long built this Atletico team just to be a counter-pressing machine, you know, uh, we'll sit in the back, we'll defend, and then try and sting you on the counter. For me, a couple years removed now, they knocked Liverpool out. It was a frustrating game to watch just because of how stubborn Atletico is. And, 
you know, at that time, I feel like I was finally exposed to his style of soccer and realizing that as good as it is, there's a lot of weaknesses in it. And playing in, let's be honest, a, a group B that was theirs to win, you know, Leverkusen, Club Bruges out of Belgium, and Porto, I think you put any other European powerhouse that has had the success that Atletico Madrid has had in that group, you'd expect them to come out on top. But all in all, just an abysmal showing from Atletico in this group stage. And, you know, we're asking the question about Barcelona, but it's really apparent to me that with Sevilla's, you know, fate still not really secured, you know, right now they are sitting third of their group, you know, only way they get in is if they pick up a, a win in match week six and possibly get a bid. I think they're actually out because uh, I think if it's level on points, it goes to the head-to-heads, and Dortmund beats Sevilla in match no, week No, ta- but they are—eight is the, I think, the most points. Yeah, no, but like, what I'm saying is that if Dortmund lose to Copenhagen, then they're level on points, but— if I'm not mistaken, UEFA rules are if it's equal on points first, you go to their head-to-head record. Oh, you're and right, since, you're right, you're right. My yes. fault, my, my so fault, basically, my uh, Sevilla's done. So yeah. reality only Spanish. Yeah, so yes. I, I, to get to my point is, have we seen a, a level of Spanish soccer at the club level drop off from the rest of the rest of Europe? And I'm only asking this because, yeah, you can look at Barcelona's group and say, you know, you're playing Inter and Bayern, in the state that they're in, it's tough. But a team like Atletico Madrid, which is always, you know, in the knockout stages, always can pose a, a dangerous threat, to be trampled in the way that they were by this group, you know, we saw Villarreal make that big run last year, you know, a team that a lot of people wrote off. Is there something to be said about the big clubs in Spain failing to perform this season at, you know, the international slash domestic level? I think there is, and it's... It's ebbs and flows the way it always is. I mean, you would probably say Spain in Europe was the most strong 2016, 2017 maybe when Atletico made it to the Champions League final. Barcelona with Messi were still going deep in the competition. And Real Madrid had their three-peat. That's when you had three of the best clubs in Europe all um, competing in the Champions League and competing deep in the Champions League. Now things have changed. Real Madrid, we know how strong they are. But the style of play from Atletico Madrid that that got them far in this competition, you know, six, seven years ago, seems to have worn off a little bit. That teams know how to play against this Diego Simeone sort of football terrorism, as they call it sometimes, where just every man behind the ball um, pressing. It's not very pretty to watch, but it does get results. At least it, it did until now. But Atletico's group, not that strong group. Club Brugge has played very, very well advancing to the to the knockout round. But Leverkusen under Javi, Javi Lonzo have not looked great. Um, there were points to be picked up there for them, and I think they'll definitely be disappointed at going out in the Europa League. But it just speaks to how, for a number of years, you can be uh, one country can, can be dominant. You can have a bunch of clubs going deep into the competition. Some things move around, and then all of a sudden the power structure in European soccer changes. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It, it, it's like you said, you know, a couple of years ago, it was all Spanish teams. You know, you had Barcelona winning it, Madrid winning You know, it was just unstoppable. But now I feel like that is kind of turned to the Premier League. I feel like we're seeing a lot of English teams 
making it to the finals. I'm not saying winning it because we didn't last year. But, you know, I, I feel like the English teams are they're now becoming what, what we knew the Spain teams as um, a couple of years ago. And, and you know, it, it's like you said, you know, over time, uh, teams become accustomed to how they play and then they, you know, and then they have tactics to beat them. But I'm sure that, you know, uh, Barcelona, Atleti, you know, those teams will eventually bounce back in the future. But right now, uh, yeah, it, it is kind of sad to see a great uh, a footballing team like Spain have to struggle to get that many teams into the round of 16. And it's interesting, boys, because, you know, pending whatever Spurs does, and we'll get into Spurs in a second if you guys watched that game against Sporting last night, for the second year in a row, almost all pending Spurs, all four English teams could get in, which I think speaks to the prowess, not so much in terms of talent in England, because like for like, you know, sure, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, obviously, even Spurs has marquee players, but I think like for like, they could go up against some of these, you know, other European teams and maybe fall short as we've seen in years past, but I think it's really the the coaching that really sets these teams over the hump. I mean, you look at Liverpool with Klopp, Pep with City, and then the ghost of Tuchel in Chelsea. Grand Potter. I know I know Grand Potter's new, but I think it's still very much you know, they're still playing maybe not tactically, but it's it's still Tuchel's club in terms of the you know, talent on the field. And then Conte with Spurs. I think that, you know, why we're seeing English football rise to the top is because of the the coaching prowess they have. But talking about Spurs starting their you know, having their best start in club history and then a series of, you know, lackluster performances, yes beating Brighton, yes beating Everton. But ever since that North London Derby loss to Arsenal, drawing to Frankfurt, and then beating Frankfurt, then losing to United, then losing to Newcastle, and then drawing in heartbreaking fashion to Sporting. A lot of people saw Conte's appointment as the maybe the man to get them over the hump. You know, they've been knocking on the Premier League door, knocking on the Champions League door when they were in it for quite some time now, and then a win against Sporting all but guaranteed them moving through to the knockout rounds, and now they have to go into match week six, the only group with something left to play for in terms of who's going to win out that group. Boys, I, I think, you know... One of my roommates is a big Spurs fan, so I hear it all the time. But one of the problems with this Spurs team is that, for some reason, the roster is just not clicking. Son doesn't look like himself. You know, Harry Kane is playing consistent, but really it's just a lot of those guys added down the wings, particularly that haven't been... Like, Perisic has been okay at best. You know, Lucas Heal has been... I don't don't want to say bad, but not really good you know you're starting Lucas Leva in, a, in what might some might you know not Lucas Leva Lucas Mora <laughs> Lucas Mora Lucas Leva RIP Liverpool legend Lucas Mora in what some might say is a must win game for Spurs in the Champions League at home I just don't know what the Spurs team identity is and I feel like we have this conversation every year surrounding Tottenham of who are their marquee players in big matches not named Harry Kane and with Huming Sung, you know, dropping out of form, yeah, he had that 
off-the-bench hat-trick against Leicester that everyone thought he was back, and then he's reintroduced into the starting 11, and then he's a ghost of himself. I'm, I'm just worried that if, you know, Spurs aren't going to make it. You know, they have one last match week to do so, and from what we've seen of them, I don't think Marseille is going to give them an inch. And I think it's going to be a, a test of character in France, and I just don't see Tottenham getting over the hump. It's definitely the kind of game that if you were to look back on it and Spurs were to lose, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. It's it's it, it sounds like what I'm about to say is a little bit nonsensical, but it's it doesn't matter who's there. It's in their DNA. Bottling big games is in Tottenham Hotspur's DNA. And with this group of players, yeah, they've made some moves, and they're different in places. They've got Perisic now. They brought in Benton Court last year. They're, they're better in some key areas. But I think the team isn't good enough for Sun to not be performing. There's not enough to make up for that. If, if he was performing at a level that he was last year, even anywhere close to that, they'd look a lot better. I just don't think there's enough talent elsewhere besides Harry Kane to make up for the lack of production from Youngman Sun. And I think people might look at that game in Marseille and, and see see right now that Tottenham are um on top of the group, but everybody in that group is still, you know, playing for their lives to get in the knockout stage. Sporting, Eintracht Frankfurt, and Marseille. Marseille have had some poor European performances in recent years and they Obviously, very, very much want to get into the round of 16. It's a hostile environment to play in, too, um, at the Stad Velodrome. But it's definitely not a given for Spurs. And I think going into that game, they have to be very, very cautious about the way they, they want to approach it. Because um, Marseille are going to be coming for blood. Marseille want to stake their place in the last 16 just as much as Spurs do. And, and before you hop in, Michael, I think it's interesting to note that if Marseille top spurs all sporting needs is a draw in their throw because yep. you know the way head to head is even though they tied Tottenham twice the goal difference right now oh actually how would that work boys cuz i'm cuz say sporting if tottenham so if sporting i think it would work if if sporting draws They'll go through so long as Tottenham loses by two goals. Cause, so, so, wait, hold on. Because uh, Tottenham's goal difference is one. Or have we ever seen something like this? I mean, you, I, I hope we don't enact fair play by, points. But <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's based off. So, for, it goes like head to head, like between those two teams. So, hold, hold They've on. They've drawn both the times. Uh, which two teams? Has Spurs and, Spurs and Sporting have drawn both, right? Uh. No, no, no. Sporting beat Tottenham. Okay, okay. So, Sporting beat Tottenham so, in match day two, and then they drew this one. So, so, so Sporting, Sporting has just, the tiebreaker. Yeah, so yeah. Sporting need, all Sporting needs is a draw and a Tottenham loss. So Spurs need a result in Marseille, yeah, yes. bottom line. They need a draw or a win. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. a loss in Spurs is, is out, barring Frankfurt beating Sporting. No, even if Frankfurt beats Sporting, Frankfurt would be through on 10. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So it, it's yeah. This this group is wide open. I mean, uh, I feel like this is kind of like a mini group of death. Like obviously, we, we saw this and we were like, oh, you know, it's Tottenham, Sporting, Marseille, and Frankfurt. But now it's like this is the only group left that like everything is to play for. You know, for example, Marseille could somehow leapfrog and go from blast to first. You know, Tottenham could 
potentially fall all the way down to fourth. Actually, I think it's third because they beat Frankfurt. But it, you know, it, it could go. It could go anyway. Uh, and it's kind of like what Nick said. Uh, you know, it, it's it is the history of the Tottenham, as a great uh, Italian defender once said. Uh, and you know, it's uh, everything's to play for. Um, but it's gonna be very interesting uh, to see how they do. I, I think Tottenham will still advance. I I think that they'll be able to just get that you know that one goal that they need. Uh, to win, but um, then again, you know, it's the Champions League. If anything can happen, boys, because um, it's Michael and Keenan back on the mics. Before we do, I want to talk about one other team that has been very go for it flat. Juve. I mean, I think I don't even want to bat an eye at Juventus. That's I a mean, po- that's a poverty. Weston club. McKennie scored a goal. When? Like in the in the last game they played, made a beautiful late run into the box. Did I ask? Great finish. They <laughs> lost four three. Yeah, well, well, they lost to Benfica. I don't. Yeah, and look, the the fact that you know Allegri came back, and and the fact that they may not sack him because it may cost too money, too much money. Sorry, is is astounding. I mean, they are out of the Champions League in the group stages for the first time since I want to say twenty thirteen. So it's been a run, but um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight the fact that uh. That the old lady is uh, is eliminated from the group stage. I mean, if you lose to Maccabi Haifa, yeah, you don't deserve you don't deserve the exactly. knockout round. I mean, we've seen some upsets in Champions League past. I mean, even Chelsea wasn't immune this year, losing yeah. to Dynamo uh, Zagreb. But I mean, still, like, come on, C- come on. Shout out Josh Cohen for that big performance. Who? Jo- American goalie, <laughs> USL veteran Josh Cohen. How do you not know that, Keenan? He plays for Maccabi Haifa. Wow, USL. USL legend. <laughs> Sacramento Republic and Phoenix Rising. <laughs> and Orange County. We're not talking about the USL. Michael can't even talk about the MLS, but somehow he's a USL stan. I'm just saying, all I knew is that I, I knew that he was on the team. That's all I knew. Okay. Yeah. Staying with the Champions League, but you know, with our little Euro- uh, English bias, Michael and I's Liverpool bias. One of us refers to the team as Liverpool. The other one refers to the team as we. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> who is who, Nick. The we is currently donning a Liverpool kit that he's holding up right now. That he's got the Carabao Cup winner signed by Jamie Carragher. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I got it yesterday. Are yeah. we really rating Jamie Carragher on this shirt show? I, I don't know. I mean, it is. Dude. Would a signed ball by Thierry Henry be better? Yeah. Yeah. I left that in my room actually because I decided to show up only four minutes late. If if, if I if you would have given yeah, me well, a, a couple of minutes, yeah, well, the Thierry Henry is sick. Yeah. Kara is also sick, but did you get a sound bite? So I told you I got a uh, I got a do to say it. Yeah, Maurice. Um, but unfortunately, we were unable to get anyone else. What'd you say? Oh, so so we so when me and Gino went there, we were like, "Hey, can you guys say hey, my name is and this is FUVFC?" And we got Dempsey to say it, and you and you know what Dempsey said? What? This is FUVC. Oh, heartbreak! Oh, deuce! Heartbreak! I mean, hey, typical Spurs fashion. He messed it up. Yeah, he bossed uh, it when it mattered <laughs> most to the radio. Um, but yeah, um, unfortunately, we were gonna try again yesterday, but there were more people yesterday, so uh, I just settled for signed merch. Wow. Yeah, no, so so I, I you. Yeah, I I do have a, a a ball that is signed by Henri, Carragher, uh Micah Richards, uh Kate Abdo and Dempsey as well. So I got that. Why why are you getting Micah Richards? Like that just like drops the net worth of that ball <laughs> by like uh, probably what? Hundred fifty dollars? It's like Probably, oh, yeah. 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 Where's his Champions League medal? I don't know. It's a Premier League medal. 
Exactly. And he he burst onto the scene. He burst onto the scene. And then <laughs> that was it. He burst onto the scene. Yeah. <laughs> but picking up where we left off before we had our brief merch. Show and tell, yeah. Show and tell. Liverpool going through to the Champions League knockouts for, I want to say, the sixth year running. It feels like six years, maybe five. Maybe 2017 was their first time through to the knockouts. That being said, I think all hope is gone for them in the league, Michael. Yeah. I think that they are... All hope was gone a long time ago. I think they are a Champions League or bust team. In that same vein, though, I feel like Chelsea's in the same boat, Nick. And you're a Chelsea man. Thank God we left James Burley at home because he would tell us how Europa League glory is equivalent to that of... Champions League. Some mental gymnastics he'd probably do. Yeah. he would. He would well, we beat... X and X beat Y and Y tied Chelsea and so by that logic we're the best team in Europe right mm-hmm. right the, the mental gymnastics would be plus Ronaldo it's over gold medal worthy but Chelsea and Liverpool I think are weirdly in the same situation and probably a situation they didn't anticipate being in going into this year to be so far off the league you know we sit here through 11 and a half match weeks with Chelsea in fifth, Liverpool in eighth. That just hurts to say. That's not even enough for the uh, the Conference League. Right. It's just, it's just pathetic. But with Arsenal and City leading the way, Spurs is still in the hunt. Newcastle's up there tied on points with Chelsea for fourth and fifth. But boys, our, the clubs we support are, in my opinion, should be in Champions League priority. I think that that's from both of them, their best chance to win something this year because, as Micah and I learned last year, FA Cup and Carabao Cups don't count for anything in the broader broader terms. Especially of, if you bottle the other two big ones right at the end. Yeah. So, that being said, I wonder, for me at least, now that both teams have their place in the Final 16 cemented, how this change their, changes their looks traditionally. Because I think we've seen from Chelsea and Liverpool in the past couple years of them competing for Champions Leagues um, as well as league titles, a lot of squad rotation that sometimes seems abnormal. You know, Liverpool suffered from a plethora of injuries because of these squad rotations last year. I'm just wondering how we see these teams approach the Final 16 and, you know, still try and put together winning performances in the league because... Even if Liverpool is solely focused on the league, they can't score against Nottingham Forest. I think for 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 Chelsea at least, what the Premier League is for the rest of this year is just trying to, you know, mold their their style of play into the way Grand Potter wants it. And I think they'd be happy at this point with a top four finish. And then you see, you know, what happens in the Champions League. This this lineup that Chelsea put out against. Um, Salzburg was interesting to say the least with really three defenders that's it um and Pulisic and Sterling as wing back but it's it's clear that Potter's philosophy is sort of an all hands on deck type thing and everybody's sort of bought in I don't, I don't know if Raheem Sterling's bought in he's happy playing wing back but I think for Chelsea for the rest of the Premier League season it's about honing that style of play to build something long term we know how quick of a trigger Chelsea has sometimes with their managers and firing them but that's with what this stretch of games after the World Cup has to be about. And then you just gear up and you try and play knockout football. And any we've seen this with Chelsea in 2021. It wasn't the best season in the league, but 
once it comes to to the knockout rounds of the Champions League, all you got to do is get get a result twice and against against a team home and away, and and I think both Chelsea and Liverpool, if they can put a little bit of a put the league on the back burner a little bit, that serves them to a bit of their advantage as opposed to Man City or or Arsenal, not Arsenal, Man City in the Champions League. Um, who are still competing on all fronts for for competitions to to be able to maybe take a backseat to the to the in the Premier League and coast a little bit will help you in in the long run, especially with how crowded we know this fixture list is right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Chelsea have, if I'm not mistaken, uh, cemented first place. Like no matter what, they're uh, they're top of the group, so mm-hmm. so they do have some chance for squad rotation. But the same can't be said for Liverpool because yeah, Liverpool have qualified, but first place like right now they're not in first place and they go up against Napoli who are are perfect through five so it's going to be interesting to see how uh how Jurgen Klopp makes the team decision for that because if Liverpool win by a big margin then they can event they could leapfrog and 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 be top of the group and we all know the advantages of being uh the group leaders compared to being in second place um as for yeah as to what Keenan said yeah I mean obviously um, it's going to be very interesting to see how Klopp will manage everyone because there are a couple of injuries right now with with the squad. Uh, but I think it's uh, I think his focus right now is just getting to the break, having that month off, allowing uh, players to recover from their injuries, and then just attack the second half of the season uh, in the way that they have done so in in, in previous seasons. But right now, I think their focus is. Uh, just take one, take uh, every game, you know, one game at a time. Next up is Leeds, if I'm not mistaken. So the, you know, the goal. They're spiraling right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jesse I, Marsh on the hot seat. <laughs> what happened, my young man? Yeah. So, so obviously the key is uh, is to get a win there and then quickly turn their attentions back to the Champions League. Hopefully, beat Napoli by three goals because I believe that was the margin in match day one. So if they somehow beat them by three, then that goes into just head-to-head stuff like that but if they can somehow pull that off then we can see them be top of the group but uh it's one game at a time right now boys i'm gonna stay with knockout soccer not football because we're coming back home i've listened to the episode i think two weeks ago was i on it with gino burley nick were you on it this was last week then maybe it was last week yeah Yeah, it was last week because i was expecting a red bulls rant and i didn't get one in full no because you guys are timid (laughs) <laughs> and cowards. But you, Shots you, fired. All your guys' predictions were correct. I think one of you had FC Dallas over Austin. It's probably James. You probably overthought it. <laughs> Classic James. <laughs> but everyone had Philadelphia and New York going through to the east, and in the west it was LAFC, and then a 2-1 to one major- majority over, I guess, we're going to say Burley, even <laughs> though I could be wrong. But I, I think Gino has a head about himself, and understands quality soccer when he sees it. James Burley has been a Red Bull fan his entire life, so... And that, supports Aaron Long. For so, just, so yeah. it, you know, quality may be lost on the young man. That being said, we are to the conference finals. NYCFC is still alive, looking to get back to the MLS Cup for the second time in two years, going back-to-back. You know, I had the pleasure of covering their home game, their only home game against Inter-Miami for the radio, a 3-0 thrashing at City Field, giving City Field a playoff performance it should be proud of, unlike the <laughs> sorry Mets rolled out. 
And now that they hurts. take on the Union in Philly. And before we, you know, start to talk about these t- two conference final matchups coming up, it is worth noting that based on the way the MLS standings shook out at the end of the year, points-wise, NYCFC will not host the MLS Cup final. One point away from being in contention. It's a shame for you. Well, I mean, it's a shame for me too. Yeah, I, I beat reporting career is finished. Cheers, NYCFC. <laughs> but you could always do the parade ceremony. Requires so much work <laughs> for another small banner. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, that being said, NYCFC taking on Philadelphia, a rivalry. I think that's been in the making these past years especially with NYCFC seeing Philadelphia out last year, Philadelphia being the best team, second best team in soccer behind LAFC, best team in the East. And then LAFC taking on the new boys, McConaughey's Austin FC. It's going to be interesting to say the least boys. Who do we have going through and why? I know a lot of people are saying it's LAFC's title to win. I'm not convinced Maybe I'm a homer, but I still think New York City is in their best form of the season under Nick Cushing. When they had the managerial change, they really fell off, and I think a lot of people were wondering would they be able to produce without Tati Castellanos up front. Heber has contributed, but so has Santiago Rodriguez. Maxi Morales is in the form of, I don't want to say his life because it's probably not true, but definitely the form of the season for him. Right now, Taz Magno coming back off the bench in their game against Montreal. Good to see him back out there. We know how important he is to this team's success. So I wouldn't write off New York City against Philadelphia. I feel like that's going to be the better of the two matches solely because I think there's a bigger rivalry between them with Austin just being so fresh and LAFC being as good as they are. I I think that it's going to be not a mountain to climb for Austin, but I think Austin is going to eventually fall to LAFC. I'm going to say 2-1 there, and then I'm going with you know, New York 2-1. Yeah. I'll start with LAFC and Austin. Austin's had their home crowd behind them for all of these playoffs up until this point. Now they have to go on the road to Bank of California Stadium, which is a very, very tough place to play. It's different than playing in your own backyard. This will be Austin's first road playoff game in their history. I think LAFC just have so many tools and weapons off the bench if things are going wrong, they've got that crowd behind them. I think it's going to be LAFC through to the final. And I think the much more interesting matchup is the Philly-NYCFC matchup. We talked about this a little bit last week, about this potential game because of what happened last season where Philly had all the COVID cases. They couldn't play their full 11 against NYCFC as Keenan gives me a, a little bit of a mocking face there. But now they're healthy. Alejandro Bedoya, Jim Curtin said he's, he'll likely be back for this game. He's a big piece in the midfield. They get Bedoya back. They're going to be at home. The tools are there for them to beat NYCFC, but th- the performance against Montreal on the road was a perfect example of how to play an MLS playoff game on the road. You you strike early. You strike fast. You you knock them off their feet. And Montreal is a tough, tough place to play. It's cold. It's loud, and NYCFC, I, was, I told James this, it smells a lot like 2021 in terms of even more so 
this run that they've been on has been going back towards you know the beginning of September. It's not they haven't just turned it on now. They've been playing some of their best soccer of the year after going through, like Keenan mentioned, a really big slump in the middle after they changed managers. It's going to be tough to go to Philly and get a result. And I'm going to take the Union, I'll say an extra time. But I would not be stunned if NYCFC win this game because they're playing so well right now. Is, but is I think that, it's Philly's time. Is, is, that a, is that a pick out of jealousy? Out of jealousy? Yes. Yeah. Because if I they repeat, I couldn't handle it. James couldn't handle it. Oh, I mean, if you couldn't handle it. Yeah. Lord knows what James would <laughs> I could be. probably handle it. James could not handle it. He, yeah. I I mean, last year was enough. But if you watch NYCFC play from an objective standpoint, they're playing very, very good soccer right now. And Philly are going to be out for revenge after they'll feel they got cheated a little bit last year with the circumstances and COVID and who they had available. They feel like this is their time. You know, Jim Curran's been building this program for a while, and now they're kind of at their peak. And I'm going to take Philly in a close game in extra time. That might be just pure copium, but we'll go. We'll take we'll take Philly in extra time. So, as you guys know, I'm that much of a MLS fan. I'm so such a huge fan. Uh, but uh, first of all, I just want to say it's glad to see that one New York football team is doing their job. Um, obviously, you know it's it's a huge match. Uh, you know. Uh, the Union against the City. I'm going to back NYCFC, of course, uh, just because, you know, uh, uh, just to back uh, off of what Keenan said, you know, they have been performing well ever since they won the Campeones Cup. I, I, I see your face. Uh, I was able to, to be there. I saw them play, um, and, and they've been, you know. A cup which James Burley is so morally detest to, <laughs> but I think it's just pure jealousy that he'll never have a chance to see Red Bulls play a team outside of the U.S. Exactly. We had some pretty great runs in the CONCACAF Champions League in the late 2010s. Wow. Cool. Did they end in victories? No. No. <laughs> but we still played. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to say NYCFC 2-1. As for the other one, um, I'm just going to go with LAFC uh, just because, you know, they've been, you know, p- uh, playing amazing. Uh, I'm going to say, I actually don't know, um, let's go with one nothing. I was gonna go two one again, but I felt like that was a, a cop out. So I'm gonna go with one nothing. Boys, before we wrap, because this has been a sporadic episode, bouncing all <laughs> over the place, with the World Cup so close, I think it is worth mentioning that, in the vein of talking MLS, we're gonna ignore the big boys in Europe because they're still playing regularly. But any U.S. hopeful coming from the MLS is not playing soccer right now. Unless you want to say Sean Johnson is a third goalie, which you might as well just not bring anyone because there's no way you're going through two. Kellen goals. Acosta. Okay, outside of Kellen Acosta. I don't even think Kellen Acosta sniffing the roster, though. He's totally making the roster. What are you talking about? No. He's totally making the roster. No. He's the backup to Tyler Adams. He's a lock. 100%. Like, he was first 10 names I down on Greg Berhalter's list. You think? Totally. Maybe okay. first 15. Okay, so we'll say Kellen Acosta is one, even though I don't think he should go. That's beside the point. With the exception of Kellen Acosta, a lot of the MLS hopefuls will not be playing soccer from October 17th until now. Is I, I think for me, we know that Greg is just... A genius. A, he's Greg. You know, he's just <laughs> that guy you you just call Greg. I don't know. But he he has a lot of decisions to make. And a guy like Jesus Ferreira, who's been in the national soccer spotlight, 
can't propel his team, FC Dallas, nor Paul Areola. The combination, the two guys that you know, probably at the start of 2022 thought would we would see on a U.S. World Cup roster, get knocked out. Jordan Morris, not even relevant. He shouldn't go, but he probably will. Aaron Long, coping with a first-round exit. He probably shouldn't go. He will. Walker Zimmerman, not making the playoffs, but, you know, he has earned his spot in this team. I'm just wondering, you know, as we get ready for the World Cup, MLS season winding down, if there's anything we should be worried about as U.S. soccer fans that so many of the U.S. names that might get selected from the MLS are not. I know, and I know it's not an individual game, and, you know, you can say, well, you know, just because their teams didn't make it this far, but just on the terms of everyone else in the world is playing soccer but these guys. And if we have to account for – I know that they're professionals, but there will be some level of rust from not playing it competitively to getting thrust into a World Cup match and if there's anything to be concerned about because some of the U.S. players are dormant. I think it's a small area of concern. I think the national team has bigger problems than mainly depth pieces, except for the ones who aren't. not playing regularly, but I mean, I know Greg. They just announced they're going to do it. They're doing a training camp with with all the MLS guys who got knocked out, along with a bunch of U twenty guys to just beef the numbers up, just keep everybody active and training and moving until the whole squad can meet up before the World Cup. Um, I think it's a little bit worrying that. Well, I mean, who would be starting? Be Jesus Ferreira would like people don't want to hear it, but I think he's going to start in Qatar. Um, Walker Zimmerman will definitely start, and then Aaron Long, I'd call him a firm maybe. So those three guys in your starting 11 aren't getting any minutes right now. It's not that far away. Um, I think the training camp's going to help. But I think the, there are bigger questions that the U.S. needs to answer about who's going to play where, who's going to be healthy for the tournament. You know, Can Gio Reyna go a full 90 minutes? Things like that. Are we going to set up in a three-man midfield the way we always do against England and just try to play out of the back. Those things, I think, are a lot more pressing than whether Walker Zimmerman plays one or two more games before before the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree there are bigger issues at play, but uh, in terms of the players themselves, you know, obviously, uh, you know, not playing in such a long time. And, of course, it's like you said, the training camp will help, but nothing can can replicate, you know, the full 90 minutes of of a proper game, so it's going to be very interesting to see um, what Burhalter does with his uh, with the roster and uh, and to see how the and how the camp uh, works out. But it's going to be very interesting because you know we are so close to the World Cup. I think we've been talking about it for so long. We have, yeah, it, it doesn't feel real and, to me. Yeah. And it's we're less than a month away. Yep, November twenty first. Book it, United States against Wales. <sighs> I am not ready for that. Blood. It's a Monday at two. So if that. Do we know. have school that day? Yeah. yeah. That's it's the right Monday, before Thanksgiving. Monday before Thanksgiving. Well, I don't even know no, how to approach No, no, that. but then hold on. It's the England It's the US England game. That's on Friday. That's on, fr- Friday. That's on Black Friday, That's but on we Black have Friday. off. Yes. Well, boys, it was always a pleasure to have you in studio. Maybe next time let's, you know, try and make a an effort. I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying be here on an time. Effort. Wow. <laughs> an effort. Wow. An effort to show up when we're supposed to show up. Oh, my goodness. What? Is there something wrong? What happened when we were doing our, our Red Bulls MLS season wrap, and we made a plan to go to the studio? Am, am I a Red Bulls beat reporter? <laughs> we were going to do an MLS <laughs> playoffs wrap. Or the first round 
wrap up. And then I realized um, uh, God came down from the heavens and told me. No, and you just s- forgot. No. I was just too lazy. <laughs> There's a big difference. You know we had to run in there, press play, and then run back. Oh, no. I, and I know. We've well, done that before. What was I supposed what, what to do? About? I don't know. You could have been here and maybe press play like before you walked out. We would have filmed the MLS one first, and then the Red Bulls one second. You could have pressed play for us. Oh. But we had to get up and run and then move back. I know James really has two bad knees, so it's... He does. You're going to make... We need to text he James. Have a, he doesn't have a third one to ruin. Like you got <laughs> We should text James and let him know how many strays he's been catching up. <laughs> so out. many. He needs to be back. We should do... We should do a four-man thing. We should do a four-man MLS... Well, I guess Michael may not want to be here if we do a U.S. men's national team breakdown because he's admitted that he does not care multiple times. But we, I'm, we It's starting to grow on me a little bit. It's starting to grow. Yeah, just right before the world. Bandwagon. Game. Yeah. I've suffered through this. Yeah. Uh, this is my is. life. I've suffered through this. Anyway, boys, what a pleasure it was for Nick Guzman, Michael Hernandez, I'm Keenan Troy saying... Take care. We will see you next week, hopefully with the U.S. 26 announced, and hopefully not a whole lot of heartbreak. Kellen Acosta will not be part of that 26. Yes, he will. Take care. (laughs) 